Hello, Barry Winbolt here with the latest edition of the Livemore podcast. Are you tired of feeling exhausted, finding it hard to rediscover your mojo? You're not alone. As most of us emerge from the challenging two years, there are hundreds of thousands of articles, podcasts and other offerings full of pep and zing cheerleading you on, telling you to just get on with the new normal and just be resilient, stuff like that. But when what you're really feeling is fatigue, uncertainty, and even overwhelm, loneliness, it'd be totally understandable that you just want to shut the door on everything and hide under the covers for weeks. In this episode, my guest Karen Kwong and I will be discussing this phenomenon and how you might navigate your way through the aftershock of those two years of turmoil. We'll also discuss some possible ideas to help you manage the kind of psychological long COVID, as Karen has called it. Karen is an executive and business psychology coach and trainer. Her work is underpinned by the understanding that people who are psychologically fit are more likely to thrive in their work and home lives and that they also have the qualities to become exceptional leaders. Well, hello, Karen. I'm really looking forward to our chat because it has a lot of relevance for me at the moment, but we'll come back to that later. Hi, Barry. Thanks very, very much for inviting me. This is exciting. Um, First thing I'd like to just get the ball rolling with is, what would you say uh, to somebody who isn't excited about the new normal? You know, I said in my intro, uh, you've not got your mojo back and that sort of thing. What what would your response be if somebody presented that to you? I would say lack of excitement for the words, the new normal would be the thing that kill me first. Because it's <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Terrible, terrible expression. Um, but the second thing is, I think on a sort of more serious note, is that it's extremely patronizing. You know, it's almost like saying, let's just dismiss everything about your previous life and just move on and fit in and everything will be back to normal. That's the imagery that it conjures up. And I think that in itself would make anybody exhausted because first of all, no one's processed what's happened in the last two years. And even prior to the two years, mental health issues affected people. You know, when I say mental health issues, I don't mean necessarily clinical, but obviously clinical as well. But, you know, people like who are burnt out, exhausted, depressed at work. And we've had two years of just chaos. The fortunate ones have been able to work from home, but even then they'd have to juggle a multitude of things. They've had severe wake up calls, for example, whether it's addressing grief of loss of family or friends or whatever, grief of a lost lifestyle, grief from not really knowing people etc you know whether you're having that fax debate all sorts of things and then trying to just cram everybody into a hey everything's fine let's just new normal ourselves I have to say it's if I can say so it's like it's deeply offensive actually for people to just ask them to switch as if everything was okay I I absolutely agree with you what I'm seeing in people I'm speaking to and this is why I've been so looking forward to this conversation, because I'd like to know how you're finding it, is that 
in the most surprising ways, people are coming to me and saying, I'm falling apart. I just want to get off the merry-go-round. I just want to stop everything. I just, and I think that's an expression of this need to kind of catch up and process the information. But it's happening, when I say in surprising ways, I've noticed it happening in people who I wouldn't associate in any way with not coping. You know, they went right through the epidemic, the pandemic, sorry, and the subsequent events, uh, relatively in a robust way, kept working, doing whatever they were doing. And when the crisis is kind of waning a bit, that's when they're having these thoughts. And that's when I'm increasingly I'm seeing people lately talking along those lines. And Barry, I'm seeing exactly the same. But, you know, if I were to sort of say, I think part of the stress and strain I've seen someone articulated this to me the other day is just like there's an assumption if we move back to the new normal everything be okay and it's not going to be okay because what does okay even mean because we don't even know what that is and so as you say people that you normally expect and in many ways I feel sort of more for them because they're the ones who are like these swans who are sort of gliding around and you never know for the last two years they could have been completely kind of discombobulated but didn't feel it was okay to say something or to 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 ask for help and there's that whole assumption that people can just sort of almost like a lego block move one lego block space to another as if people would just slide back in into some sort of normality and I, and i think there are lots of people who are just exhausted but don't really know it because Whilst what happened was quite sudden, we've had essentially two years of this. And I think most things that we deal with are pretty gradual. You don't notice the drip, drip effect of exhaustion or loneliness or, or, or burnout or, or whatever that may be. And I'd love your insights as to whether you've seen anything like that or whether you think that might be leading to something. Well, I think I have seen things like that. Um, I would make the observation that the people who I most often see are frequently those who are excellent, robust people, resilient people, good at coping. And if they have a common bit they miss of the puzzle, uh, that is that actually they're human. They always seem to think if they just do a bit more, they could work their way through this. And then bang, I was speaking to somebody just yesterday uh, who found this, who had this experience. And it all came tumbling down in the space of about two weeks. So I think there's that element too. There are generally robust and capable people who then conk out and surprise themselves because they haven't known when to say, hang on, I need some TLC here. I need to take care of myself. I think it's one of those things though, as human beings, none of us really know when to stop until it's almost too late. We live in a world where you only get respected if you're doing something. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're saying something. So if you're a reflective sort, then you must be lazy. And I suspect that culture, for, for want of a better word, is in this whole world. If, if I'm seen to be working, then I don't have to process things. And certainly, Barry, I'm sure in your work, certainly in my work when I'm coaching people, all sorts, leaders, you know, middle managers, all sorts, quite often they say it's just easier to do than it is to actually kick back and process their emotions. Because once they start doing that, there's this worry that the, the dam will break. Is there also a, a, the phenomenon of stress distorts our thinking? 
you know, when, when we're, if we think of it as a survival response, when we are up against it, nature does not want us to stop and take a break. It tells us that we can cope beyond where we actually can reasonably cope, because in short bursts we can. But life this, these days and crises these days are not in short bursts anymore. You know, next week is going to be like last week and uh, it's going to be a 60-hour week or whatever people are very often expected to do. And certainly something that you had mentioned before is that everyone's trying to get back to normal, but we're not equipped to deal with that transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so we're, we're assuming that we can just go from A to B and not have to deal with the, the messy bits in between. And I wonder if what we do is trying to help people transition, but there's but people don't really tend to want to address that transition period. They're just hoping to get from, I don't know, from London to Paris without having to worry about the the mess, the, the train journey or the flight. I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly what happens. And a lot of my work when, let's let's call it broadly change, change management, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a bereavement, a loss of a job, a, a change of circumstance, even moving house, a much looked forward to change brings with it this need for adaptation to new circumstances and the psychological transition, as it's called. And that is going to be different for everybody. You don't have to take three months off to reflect, but you can ritualize it. You can take an hour every evening. Uh, you can take a few short breaks during the day. There are many ways of structuring your time without having to give up and fall apart. But if you don't structure your time, and you don't deal with this stuff, then that's when people turn up with people like me or you, or, you know, and very often in crisis. And it makes it much harder to deal with at that point, I think. Do you think that's a really fair point? Because what's interesting, Barry, is when I first started, when I left financial services to join this industry, I chose um, sort of leadership and executive coaching simply because I know it sounds terrible and everyone, you can hate me for this, but I didn't really want to deal with people and their mess just because I, I just didn't. Okay. I just thought, let's focus on work stuff, you know. Okay, so let me tell you, my first ever client, first thing, and she was basically there because they said, we need to help her become a better leader because she's not performing. And first thing she said to me was, I know why I'm here, because why they think I'm not performing. But let me just tell you this for free. My mother is an alcoholic. My husband's an alcoholic. So I've got stuff to do and I haven't got the headspace to be a good leader. <laughs> okay, so that's when I had my wake up calls. Like, oh, well, hello, Karen. You are dealing with humans. That was a very arrogant thing that I was doing there, thinking I could just go in and fix people's work problems and off we go. Yeah. And hand on heart, the majority of my clients may be seeing me on very career, professional, executive leadership type issues. And yes, we absolutely deal with all of those things. But the things that are stopping them from succeeding or pressing on to the next level or whatever else it is, is 100% human stuff every single time. Yeah, yeah. Years and years ago, I used to do a lot of training in the um, parallel therapeutic world of alternative health and that sort of thing. So I was coming to it as a, as a psychologist and counsellor and training people in communication. And I would have everybody from social workers, 
police, pastoral workers, but also acupuncturists, reflexologists, anybody who's working with people. There were a group of us doing this. And I always remember somebody saying at one of the kind of introductory, you know, when you're, that horrible thing when you have to say why you're there in the workshop and all of that stuff. And she said, well, I'm an acupuncturist and I think I'm very good at what I do. And I trained and I was very proud to pass my exams. And I deliberately chose acupuncture because I didn't want to be a counsellor, but I wanted to work with people. And the moment my first client walked in the room, I knew I was a counsellor. I was going to have to be. That's why I'm here at this workshop on basically counselling skills for paraprofessionals. And uh, you can't get away from it, can you? No, you can't. And what I've sort of seen in time is that we're not very well equipped to bring humans up. Right. You know, so we have great math lessons or science lessons or English lessons or French lessons or whatever we may be. And it's up to parents to help bring us up. But if they were not taught also on how to cope and be more resilient, for example, then that cycle continues. Okay. Uh, I was listening to this guy speak. Uh, he's, he's called Raj Sisodia, and he'd written several books on conscious capitalism and stuff. And he just goes, you know, until we heal our pain and our hurt. Now, not everyone's going to buy into that. But, but the simple premise being, if you don't deal with the negativity in your life, that poison will seep through, come what may, and it will just reappear, whatever happens. Well, and I think without getting too metaphysical about this, I think we are seeing that in every direction in life at the moment. And we need to play close to home, to heal ourselves, to heal those around us, to help each other, support each other. You know, I had a thing when I was doing more organisational work. People would often come in and say, well, it's not us, it's the management. And then the management would say, it's not us, it's the workers. And then uh, the other people would say, well, it's not us, it's the government. You know, it's always something that is not us, that is out there, that's usually too big to do something about. And I developed this notion, well, if you're going to work every day, never mind all that stuff out there, just relate well to the people you interact with on a daily basis. It doesn't matter whether they're your customers, your colleagues, the people you see on public transport, relate well locally and those ripples will spread. I think that's absolutely right. And I'm just trying to see how that links back to our first question about the exhaustion bit and to build on what you've just said. I went recently on a course and the first question they opened up with was, where do you have influence in your life? And they, without sort of going into the whole thing, it was drilled down to, are you a demand or are you a resource? Now, sometimes you are a demand because you're exhausted and you're burnt out. And that's what this conversation we're having today is about saying that everybody is now in a state of demand as in they're just tired they're exhausted so they are needing essentially more nourishment in some way shape or form now it could be literally in the form of food or it could be nourishment in terms of time and understanding or it could be in sleep or it could be some self-compassion whatever it may be but in general what i'm hearing from this conversation and just in general from with people out out there in the world with this sort of losing their mojo is that I think everybody is in a, in a state of demand as in we need something. Well, when you were saying people need nourishment and you were ticking off, you know, it can be food, it can be sleep. <clears throat> what went through my mind is it can be spiritual because that word conjures all sorts of weird stuff in people and they start thinking about religion and all that. 
it could be religion. But what I'm really talking about is the inner life, you know, our internal landscape of who we are. And one of the interesting things that has happened through lockdown and enforced isolation for people and restricted activity and all of that is, as we hear all the time, that so many people are saying, I really had time to stop and smell the coffee or hear the birds sing or watch the trees grow and that type of thing. And that's what I mean by spiritual nourishment. Now, we got the odd position we're finding ourselves in where, you know, when you go on holiday and you think, oh, this is bliss. I'm just going to take this back to work with me and I'm going to be this chilled and it's always going to be like this. And two hours back at work and you're back on the treadmill if you're not very careful or certainly at the end of the first week. And it's a bit like that. We've been through this enlightening experience. We've had this. It hasn't all been good, I know, but many, many people have said that they discovered things about themselves. They're making changes in their lives. They're moving forward in new ways. And they're, maybe we're in danger of losing that if we don't keep it alive in some way because we've had our eyes opened. So now apply it in life. And it is more than a smile, but it's also about it's that helps and respecting others. But it's also about knowing ourselves and the very difficult job of being true to ourselves and being honest with ourselves about what we need. Because so many of us, including myself until I was probably in middle age, didn't allow ourselves, we don't allow ourselves to think what we really need or what we really want, because we're on the treadmill. Well, then on that note, would we, in a sort of subtext, define normal or the new normal as not being present? Because we're always chasing and running after the normal or chasing after a thing instead of just appreciating where we are right now, which is your absolute definition of mindfulness like being present because whilst everybody was what making banana banana bread and moments of hating the kids but more often than not really enjoying spending time with them and getting to know their kids and then suddenly it's like okay we're back to normal now well you know yeah that was fine for this sort of slightly extended holiday but let's move back and that in itself is just exhausting it just brings to mind a question that gets used in family therapy, particularly when people are, are going through a crisis, when they're splitting up or when their family's in disarray. Because there's always a focus on pathology, on what's wrong. And a question that I use a lot that stops people in their tracks very often, and it can be very fruitful. We know what you don't want, but what do you want to keep in this relationship? You know, what are the good bits that you want to build on? And Without exception, people find good bits. When you dig a little with people going through even the most severe situations, they can point you to things that the moments of lightness, moments of enjoyment, special qualities. And when you turn people's minds or when you can help people turn their minds to what's working for them or what's working well and what they want to do more of, rather than what they've missed or what they've lost or what isn't right in their lives. Because let's face it, we've all got stuff that's not right in our lives. And unfortunately, politically, for all sorts of reasons, it doesn't look as if it's going to get much better anytime soon. And we have to face that reality. And one way to do it is to shore up what is of value to us in ourselves and in those we interact with, our partners, friends, children. 
it's it's about sort of going back to finding inside ourselves what is important about that community that we appreciate. Um, you know, during the lockdown, for example, I, I'm very much an introvert, so I was quite relaxed about not seeing people. But I have to say, when I did see friends, I knew, I learned so much about my best friends because we weren't in a pub or over supper, you know, because you go out for supper with friends for three hours or whatever, and it's like 10 people. You're not really speaking to anyone. No, no, absolutely, yeah. And But we were like crazy people wandering around Battersea Park, walking around and around and around and around because we couldn't go anywhere else. And we would just talk just one-on-one. And, you know, I really appreciate these things and that's a classic sort of introverts thing to do to want to engage with people one-on-one so to your point it's like what do you value and we need to really just go back and find those things and also just not beat ourselves up about it if you're not feeling positive that's okay yeah absolutely and if you're not feeling you know like you want company it's okay the question is it's kind of just don't let yourself linger there because it's the safer thing to do. And that's when the courage comes in. So there's an element of self, big element of self-compassion, but actually a self-compassionate thing also at times is to go, I need to find some courage to shift where I am now, whatever that means. So given what we've talked about then, what are the takeaways? How can one, if you can't feel it, you know, if you haven't got your mojo and you're not happy about the new normal, then what? I think, Barry, my biggest takeaways, if I were to summarise what I experienced in our conversation today, is something that you highlighted again and again and again, is that we're human. And we need to remember that as we try and get our mojo back or whatever, because it will come back. Um, but trying to rush ourselves through a process when there isn't necessarily a... a, a as humans, we can't just follow a rule book. Um, we need to remember that. Um, and leaving five tips, sure, we could do that if that's what we wanted to do. But we think it would be disrespectful to humans to just go, well, and, and patronising. If you just smiled a bit more and did X, Y, or Z a bit more, you know, th- to us that would be just disingenuous. So I think remembering that we're humans, remembering that you will get your mojo back, but in order to get there, Whatever your process is, I would say, is having the courage to sit with self-compassion and having the courage to try new things, to you know, invite new habits, no matter how small, that will help you shift whatever needs shifting. Um, and just to remember that sometimes it is okay and normal to not have the um, capacity to move forward, but you will when you're ready. And I think the hardest bit is knowing when you're ready because it's quite easy to settle and stay in the not ready. And that's the moment where self-compassion and courage will come a long way. That would be my takeaway. Barry, I don't know how you feel about that summary. Well, I think that distills it very nicely. It's about being human. It's about sitting with it and acceptance and waiting for the transition, for the change, for the adaptation, for coming to terms with everything we've been through. 
being able to show oneself some compassion in that way, so self-compassion, but also being courageous enough to take the step to move forward, perhaps into slight discomfort, to get yourself moving again when you feel the time is right, and perhaps uh, even a little bit before you feel the time is right. Absolutely. So, Karen, I'd like to thank you very much again for our conversation today. I found it really useful. I'm sure we'll do this again. And I'll look forward to uh, speaking to you another time. Thank you, Barry. I've really enjoyed the session very much. And, and I hope to sort of hear from the listeners, etc., just to you know, share stories. So that's it from us for today. And just to follow up on what Karen just said, remember that you can contact her or any of the experts via the Livemore app Ask function. So if you have a particular story you want to share with Karen, then feel free to do so. If you've enjoyed today, think about what would help you actively engage in your situation. That is, if you're finding the new normal a bit threatening or a bit boring or tedious, how can you get your mojo back? Well, you could do that by firing up your curiosity. So here's a little exercise for you. For the next week, starting today, take 15 minutes a day just to get curious. Adopt a mindset that seeks to understand, not judge. Look around you, look for what's new, seek out new possibilities, try new stuff. It doesn't have to be dramatic like climbing Mount Everest or kayaking up the uh, Orinoco or anything like that. You can try meals that you haven't habitually eaten or take a different route to work, read a book of a type that you wouldn't normally engage in, change your taste in music, whatever it is, do something 15 minutes a day to expand your possibilities by enlivening your curiosity. And that will take you over the threshold into what's being called the new normal. So there's some advice from me and from Karen. I wish you all the best. Over and out. Goodbye. Thank you, Barry. I've really enjoyed the session very much. And I hope to sort of, yeah, hear from the listeners, etc., just to, you know, share stories. Lovely. Absolutely. Thank you, Barry. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Awesome. That was cool.